0: like very often an holistic will ask a question and then you will answer the question thinking what matters here is my accuracy and answering. Yeah. Because this seems like an important question to you, but really the question wasn't the question and the assignment was somehow, can you create noise that pleases me?
1: Right. Episode 58,
0: The Good Place is Autistic.
1: Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history.
0: Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe.
1: Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your host, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic.
0: And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry. Welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of autistic
1: Hey, Matt. Hey,
0: Angela. (laughs) Uh, Would you like to know what we're going to talk about today?
1: I would love to know what we're going to talk about.
0: Oh, no, you're using neurotypical voice on me. Am I in trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I I just know the script, as neurotypicals do. We we are caught without the script. Are
0: we scripting? Are we scripting
1: here? When we are stuck with a script, we are stuck in what I would call a bad place.
0: (laughs) Oh, Oh, well, that is a nice segue to the topic of today's show, it's, which is Isn't it though? The television program The Good Place, the one Good of Place. my favorites. Yes. Oh my god. So goodness. you're
1: going you're you're telling me that this Good Place show which uh, uh honestly, I've I'm a fan of uh, all of it. Uh that this show is autistic?
0: <clears throat> Funny, you should ask. It is autistic on a number of levels. Is it now? And we are going to explore many of them today. If you are here joining us, welcome. uh, Welcome to The Good Place, or maybe it's The Bad Place. You may never know, but it is The Autistic Place. So, uh, yes, very autistic show. The creator, Michael Schur, wrote a book uh, that I recently read, if you are a paid member, you'll hear a book review in our private book club. It's called How to Be Perfect. I have had this show on my radar uh, to do, but that that book kind of gave me the push I needed to put together some research for today's show. There are so many aspects of the show that are autistic in like every possible way, but I do want to start with just the creation and where it came from in Michael Scher's mind is a monotropic deep dive on moral philosophy and just that word good. What is good? What is bad? Uh, What is moral? And this is, uh, like, like so many popular shows, a moral philosophy info dump. Told yeah, like over many do. seasons, as you do.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because again, you know, I, I can't count how many sitcoms on TV are monotropic info dumps about morality. You know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, in the good place. So, basically, all the the idea. And by the way, I do this all the time. I like this is part of like world building. In Michael Scher's head, and I'm gonna share the interviews and stuff where he talks about this in the in the show notes, but in his head, he had this image that the way the world works is or should work. Maybe it was a sure. fantasy, is that every behavior you do. So if you stop and help an old lady cross the road, if you put your grocery cart away in the parking lot, every good deed you do, you get positive points. And every negative thing or bad thing you do, you lose points. And then the people with the highest scores go to the good place and enjoy eternal happiness where every wish is granted. Maybe if you're Muslim, you get seven virgins. I'm not sure what happens there. And then... If you have a low score, you go to the bad place. And um, this, I think this sort of fantasy of how the world works, like there must actually be rules. And if I uh. can figure the rules out, then I can assure that I will go to the good place. So I will now figure out the work rules.
1: Because all allistic people seek the rules of the universe to adhere to those rules, to live a good and happy and moral life, because there has to be rules for everything, always, forever, as is the way, you know, because right. uh, a very uh, allistic concept may be there, possibly, possibly I not. I feel
0: like that's a very autistic concept. Could it be? Could it be? Uh, yes. Um, I think allistic people are just like, I don't know, doing random things. I'm not sure whether, maybe, yeah, it's unclear to me, but I know we like uh, rules. I,
1: I've seen the Kardashians. I can't follow them. The, the, yeah. they, they just do whatever they do. But I, I personally like the rules. I like they, knowing it, what is good and what is bad and how to do things. Wow, uh, which, which is why we had three takes on the intro because we needed to get it right.
0: <laughs> exactly. We're like, let's yes. get this right. Uh, yes. So the um, the good place is uh, guided by uh, an AI robot, uh, humanoid like not a figure. girl, not a girl. I was not like, I almost said woman. And then I was like, nope, Janet, just Janet. Yeah. Yeah. I think her pronouns are Janet. Um, yeah. I went, I went down the Taylor Mac, who's a, um, a creative and artist, I think a theater playwright whose pronouns are Judy. And I went down the Judy rabbit hole. So if Taylor Mac can have Judy, Janet's pronouns are Janet, in my opinion. There you go. Um, but uh, everybody else gets an eternity of torture in the bad place, uh, which sometimes includes hot dogs. It's not entirely clear. Uh, But there are four people who end up in the good place that our show focuses on. It seems like uh, Chidi definitely should be there. He believes he should be there. He is a Kantian-like character who has lived his entire life focused extremely on what is good and bad. Uh, Jason Mendoza is a petty criminal, and it's very unclear what the hell he's doing there. Eleanor is, I don't know, some sort of chaotic... uh, Vagabond, who uh, trauma-informed life means she's a little unclear what she's doing there. Pretty sure she's been placed in the bad place. Oh, Jason was a stake, uh, mistaken identity. He shows up as a Buddhist.
1: As a monk with a vow of silence, that he doesn't give away his love of Molotov cocktails. Right,
0: right, exactly. And then we have Tahani, uh, played by Jamila Jamil, who... Uh, Definitely thinks she should be there, but some of us, uh, speaking from our Kardashian experience, have some questions about whether or not she actually should be there. So those are our characters, and at the uh, hierarchical head of this pyramid is Michael, who seems to be in charge of the good place.
1: The architect. Um,
0: He is the architect of the good place. Uh, I should have said this uh, before, but played by Ted Danson, And in this heaven-like location, uh, you are assigned a soulmate. Uh, Eleanor, uh, who's played by Kristen Bell, is assigned the soulmate of moral philosophy, Professor Chidi Anagonye, who is played by William Jackson Harper. And um, Eleanor Shellstrop realizes that there has definitely been a mix-up. She should not be in the good place. Uh, She is... Ethically misguided, and Cheaty faces his first moral question, which is the basis of the show, which is should he even bother to teach her a, how to be a better person? Uh, he is assigned to be her tutor, but is it ethical to go against the rules of the good place by protecting a misassigned
1: person? Ooh, moral dilemma from stage one. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes.
0: So I guess I want to start by talking about moral dilemmas, because as autistic people, they do trip us up quite a bit. We are known um, for our black and white thinking and our moral certitude. And um, in Shidi's case, and this is like every test I've ever taken in school, Um, because he is intellectually gifted and and well-trained in school, he can see all sides of every issue. Maybe it's not all sides, but it's a lot of sides of every issue. It's not just two sides, right?
1: Which leads to a process of uh, uh, process complexity, because when you can see so many sides and have so much data, that can be paralyzing.
0: and, And Chidi is paralyzed, that is for sure. So for me, when and and, uh, multiple choice tests are the worst for this, but when confronted with a question, what I found is that many people who go into the teaching profession are neurotypical. It's a very difficult environment to not get fired in if you are autistic. Um, So there's a lot of holistics in teaching, and they will often ask questions that they know the answer to, even multiple choice questions, but I can think of a way that all the answers are right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the details, because we are bottom-up processors.
0: So I would not answer the questions. I had to write paragraphs of questions back. This does not lead to good scores. They, they really struggled with my uh, uh, questioning authority, uh, hierarchy, didn't make sense to it because I'm like I don't understand the question. I can yeah, I see need you to I need
1: you to elaborate this elaborate this in laborious detail, please. Thank right. you.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, the show has really covered all aspects, and we'll get into some of the philosophy. Um, I guess I want to start by talking about the characters, and there is no better place to start than Sheedy. So. Uh, do you have any reflections you would like to share on Chidi? First of all, from a from your perspective. Oh,
1: so, so Chidi. Uh... My God, uh, if there's ever an autistic coded character, it is definitely cheaty he He struggles with so much data processing he struggles with so much of to to the point where he couldn't leave his house for it was it his brother's wedding because he couldn't decide what to wear so uh, his his brother knew that this was going to happen ahead of time, so he you know said the wrong time and the wrong date, and uh, I need to do a full rewatch but yeah he 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 This is the thing, because he became so paralyzed of making the wrong decision that everybody around him just was like, yeah, that's cheating. We just don't invite him to things anymore. And that was his own personal hell, because, you know, he he couldn't figure out what was right. He couldn't get along with the people who didn't understand him. He wanted to know the absolute right answer to every situation, as we often do.
0: Right, and that process complexity led to this line from Chidi. I'll have you share.
1: Oh yes, yeah. Chidi Adagonye said, "You know the sound that a fork makes in the garbage disposal? That's the sound my brain makes all the time. I love that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I feel, I feel it, <laughs> I feel it. That is how I felt during every test. It's like ah, it's yeah. all grinding in here.
1: Yeah, yeah."
0: Um. So his challenges with process complexity, with bottom-up thinking, with the fact that autistic people have, you know, 42% more information coming at them leads to um, what I have heard described as moral OCD, decision paralysis, moral OCD. Have you heard this phrase?
1: I, I have. Yeah. It, and it definitely fits us because if we can't do the right thing then we can't do anything.
0: Right. Um, it's and a freeze
1: response. It, it activates our amygdalas and it is, it becomes traumatic because we cannot do the thing because we there's just, there's no way forward.
0: Huh? Is it a freeze response? Is that what it is?
1: because we just lock up because there's too much right. and our brains get overloaded and we just it's a panic because yeah. if there's no clear path forward then what do you do? You don't want to step on the wrong path because if you move forward and this is a big thing about you know the, the point system and everything because if you you know go, do something good to help this person they might do something bad which in the grand scheme of things takes away the points so everybody is well I guess we'll, we'll get to that point but yeah it's, no, it's one of those yeah. things it's in complexity of the universe, because it's the butterfly effect. If you do one thing that affects another thing that affects another thing that affects another thing, you can be petrified to leave your house. And this is a big thing about like autistic agoraphobia, because traditional agoraphobia would be more along the lines of, you know, you're afraid that, you know, people will see you. It's an anxiety response. Autistic agoraphobia comes from the 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 overload of processing of all the data and all the variables and what you're supposed to do in every particular situation. So you just don't leave the house ever because you're afraid of doing the wrong thing. And if you do the wrong thing, then you'll be judged. And it's it's not, it's not a pure anxiety, you know, lack of serotonin thing. It is an infinitely complex data overload that results, uh, and you just, you can't do it. It's a freeze response through and through. Huh.
0: So this is probably the thing I've spent the most time in therapy on oh. is... My personal, like, the thing I hated most about myself is when I am in, like, any sort of crisis, people think I'm super aggressive, like, I'm such a fighter, I'm such, like, a champion of social justice, but when I am, like, in a confrontation, I literally, everything, I'm thinking, everything, I'm thinking nothing, and I completely freeze And it feels so like out of character and it feels so embarrassing. And like it just there's I have no way to move out of that free space. I'm just like, can't talk. Can't nothing makes sense. Sometimes I'll just like repeat a phrase. Once we got it was Christmas Eve. I was driving with Mila, who's my partner. Our kids were in the back and we got hit by a drunk driver on Christmas Eve. And the thing is, it was a week after I had totaled my car, so it was a new car, and then a week before I totaled that car, I had gotten into a car accident.
1: Oh, God. So it was
0: like three car. So there were like so many things because I just got in this car. I hadn't paid off the car. Like I couldn't get another car. I had just had a car accident. My insurance was going to get canceled. We were going to be late for Christmas Eve. Like, and all I could do was just keep yelling. This is so bad. This is so bad. This is while the car was like flipping and spinning on an icy road. And I was just like, this is so bad. This is so bad. This is so bad. And Mila's like, that is not helpful. You get, you gotta stop talking. I'm trying to keep the car from flipping. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's that's the thing because we we get overloaded with the data. And uh, again, if you don't have a script prepared for such situations, then what do you do? Nothing. That that's you just you just fall back on whatever preloaded information you have. Uh, it, it's essentially, baby. Your call cannot be connected at this time. Please try again. And then, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's what happens to Cheaty over and over again. He can't discriminate between big and small issues. And then oh, yeah. everything in his head is of equal importance. And he can see all the details, but they're all magnified and at the same level. Yeah. And um, this is really about like an inability to create a hierarchy of concerns and filter out what do we not have to worry about now, and then what is actually pressing. So very I wonder so. is that related to just hierarchies in general and how we resist hierarchies?
1: With, with the bottom up processing and all, and looking at yeah. the data, yeah, it it can be very much, uh, especially if you don't have, especially if you the more you get into all the, I I, I used to uh, explain this to people as look at the, look at your wall. And again, top down processors will say it's a flat wall. And then, you know, that's, that's all it is. And like, well, sorry, a dog just walked by. So hmm. I had to look, but anyway, Squirrel. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, but if you look deeper, well, tell me more about the. It's a blue wall. Well, tell me more about it. And, you know, people who understand paint and people who understand drywall will say, well, this is a semi-gloss and semi-gloss has this sort of structure. And you have to have this pigmentation in order for this. And you understand the pigmentation and the bonding of the paint and the, the structure of the paint that makes it a semi-gloss and the structure of the drywall and how to hang the drywall and the method that the drywall is hung and the method of the plaster. And the more you know about something, the more complex it is. So if a professor of morality gets uh, into all these details because again this man loves a good bit of research so once you do all the research and once you have all this data it can be damn near impossible to sort through the piles and piles and piles of data in his brain in order to figure out what is essential and what is not because everything again with the butterfly effect has consequences so if you're paralyzed of the consequences when there's consequences to everything then what do you do you do nothing Mm -hmm. And doing nothing—that's that's that can be a bad in itself,
0: right? And this leads to, or maybe it doesn't lead to, but it feels like it leads to it for me. His stomach issues. So Chidi oh yes. has ongoing stomach issues. Uh, he is not alone. There are many autistic people, including me, with stomach issues, and they do seem to be connected to the stress. In this case, it can be sensory stress, but in this case, it's this decision stress.
1: Well, that's the thing about like, uh, so again, uh, autistic people tend to have these, this, uh, so we have this thing called interoception, this ability to self-monitor our internal systems, do a self-diagnostic, understand this kind of stuff. But along with interoception difficulties, which we have, because again, we, we often don't pay attention to our meat bodies or we pay too much attention to our meat bodies and you end up like cheaty, paralyzed because you're paying too much attention to your meat body and you say, I moved today and now my heart rate is elevated and now I might die. Or, you know, I ate a salad yesterday and now I'm rumbly and I might die. but Because again, you're paying so much attention to your internal stuff or you might not be paying attention to it at all. Again, with cheating and the stomach issues because if you, if you have what we call alexithymia, you mm. cognitively process your emotions rather than feel them in your meat body most Mm -hmm. people feel emotions which is why they call emotions feelings we use the phrase we use the phrase to get cold feet to uh refer to nervousness because neurotypical people feel a sensation of coldness in their feet when they get anxious and it surprised me i did not know that
0: i had no idea yeah
1: I, I, I like etymology and I like uh, why <laughs> phrases are coined. And it turns out it's just blatantly obvious, but we autistic people, we get headaches, we get stomach aches, we get chest pains and we get sweaty. And all of our emotions tend to come out in one of those ways if you have alexithymia or interoception difficulties. So again, Chidi is anxious all the time. So and here's another thing about autistic anxiety. Autistic anxiety isn't due to a lack of serotonin. It's due to the stress of your brain processing 42% more data at rest than a neurotypical person because you're churning through all the variables all the time forever, always. And Mm -hmm. we have anxiety from always churning through the variables and depression from understanding that nobody around us is doing that and we are alone.
0: That, yes, that is the thing. It's like, what else are you possibly doing? What are you doing? Yeah. What could you be doing if you aren't churning through the variables?
1: And, That's and why this, I
0: love in, we talk about this in chess is autistic. in yes. In the Queen's Gambit, when she's showing all the different variables of the chess yes. game as she's falling yes. asleep, I'm like, correct. Isn't yeah. everyone doing that all the time? No, they are not.
1: And this is why Eleanor is the perfect foil for Cheetie, because she's like, you know what? I don't care. I'm stealing this thing because I <laughs> want it. <laughs> Life really has good. taught me that I have to be a survivor because I was neglected by my parents. And in mm-hmm. order to get my needs met, I had to survive at all costs. So she learned that there's a very personal morality that she had to, uh, if she didn't do it, nobody else would. right. Right. So and well, yeah.
0: and that is actually related to how privilege plays into uh, traditional bad autism diagnoses, um, because when you are a woman, a trauma survivor, uh, growing up in poverty, growing up houseless at points, you are going to act very differently and make very different decisions. So we're going to talk about Eleanor's neurodivergence later, but that's a big part of why uh, diagnoses are often missed because it looks different depending on what those life circumstances are.
1: I can't wait to talk about Jamila Jamil because, oh my God, that's going to be fun. (laughs) I know,
0: we have good stuff. I'm I'm saving her up, though.
1: Like our show? Here's how you can help. When you tell someone about this show, it helps make the world a friendlier place for autistic people. And when you rate or review us in your podcast player, it helps people find us. It really matters. And if you're PDA, I totally understand. Uh, uh, You cannot not do this and it will still work out. So
0: Chidi, uh, you know, is constantly in a state of anxiety, like constantly, constantly. high cortisone levels, stomach issues, interoception issues, probably alexithymia, but he has a great method. I believe it's great because I share this method. He has a great method of emotional regulation. Here's a quote from Chidi about how he emotionally regulates.
1: I love this so much. When I'm really upset, concentrating on a table of contents helps me calm down. It's like a menu, but the food is words.
0: I mean.
1: No, that, no neurotypical wrote that, so.
0: I'm like, why everyone doesn't read table of contents? So I don't normally admit this, but everybody ah. knows my special interest is books. Like, it's for sure books. And I, like... Keep it vague because it's like when you're getting a PhD and people say what's your PhD about, they don't want the answer. If you've done a PhD, you know this. Like They do not want to hear your answer. So you just make some shit up that's vaguely related. So I always say my special interest is books. And then sometimes I'll say writing or sometimes I'll say editing or helping people write or things like that. I'm going to tell you the truth about what my real special interest is. It's the fucking table of contents. <laughs> <laughs> I tell no one. I mean, don't if you're listening, shh, do not pass this along. There is nothing that calms me more than a table of contents, and I have studied so many of them. I also study indices. I love indexes. I've met many indexers in the olden days when they used to do it with note cards. I wanted to be, well, I wanted to write encyclopedias, particularly encyclopedias about authors. I read the entire set of the Encyclopedia of Contemporary Authors. Uh, It was like 24 volumes, and they were all amazing and um but a table of contents and like the thing i'm best at as a book coach is outlines and organization and structure and when i look at a finished table of contents i could literally look at it for like 3 hours it's so beautiful it's so regulating it's categories it's ontology there's a story there's an arc you can you could just read a table of contents People don't just read a table of contents. It's my favorite thing to do.
1: That's fantastic. I love that.
0: Oh, I love cheating so much. It is. It is very calming. It is very calming to me. I love it. It's like as it's finished. It's like we we did it. We organized it. Everybody, we could just look at it and celebrate. We did it. It's it's there and it's all and it's y and contenty.
1: Look at all the bounty of words that you can soon consume. <laughs>
0: Yes, it's so exciting. Um, Chidi is also quite concrete and takes things very literally. Um, so somebody mentioned to him, I've gotten lots of people always scream in my face, breathe or relax. I think this makes some people like, I don't know, relax. Somehow people telling me to relax never really made me relax. Yeah, but, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Can't think of why, but one of Chidi's friends tells him uh, that it's good when you have anxiety to exercise. Exercise helps people with anxiety, so Chidi just starts randomly doing push-ups.
1: Yeah. And he's got like a six pack. And uh, wh- whenever the man takes off his shirt, he is ripped all the way. He goes from Clark Kent to Superman because really? he exercise. Because, again, as we've spoken, a lot of autistic people are runners. So, you know, he exercises nonstop in order to get out the anxiety. Oh,
0: right. Uh, in one scene, Eleanor says to him, Eleanor, I think this is season one, Eleanor's getting her moral philosophy lessons. And she says, well, who died and left Aristotle in charge of ethics?
1: And Chitty, <laughs> Plato,
0: right? Judy's like, oh, uh, uh,
1: yeah, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's fantastic. I love that so much. Just very blatantly. Yes. But, Correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, all growing up, we get to see some flashback scenes. All of his posters and action figures are all tied to famous thinkers and philosophers. Uh, he can always insert more philosophy into any conversation. Basically he has the perfect job, um, because he gets to info dump on his favorite topics all day to his students. I think he was like a professor in Australia before yeah. he died. Uh, yeah. Also, hyperfixations in um, chemistry and bugs that comes up on the show. Of course. Uh, so, and we have talked about the joys of both chemistry and bugs on this very podcast. So,
1: it, uh, including lessons in chemistry, but yes, and and we got to catch all the bugs in our Pokemon episode.
0: In, in Pokemon, exactly. So, and Kinsey's bug. bug oh yes,
1: boy. yes, yes. Oh, yep. Kinsey. Uh,
0: so we don't get a ton on sensory overload from Chidi, but it is pretty clear that he's got some proprioceptive issues because he talks about how much he hates about, uh, moving fast and especially downhill, especially Um, in a
1: trolley when you're going to run over four people (laughs) before you,
0: the trolley car problem.
1: Yeah. So yes. much fake blood, yes.
0: <laughs> that was a great scene. Uh, he also frequently gets dizzy um, and also, like me, has no sense of direction. Um, I literally cannot, I get, I. it's not a joke. I regularly get lost in my house. It's not great. I get a little confused. I'm like, is it to the right or the left? Which one's the, what makes the L? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, yes, uh, so cheaty, obviously,, um, you know, it is not said that he is autistic, but there are very few uh autistic culture traits that he does not share. He thrives on routine, uh not great at being flexible, and uh, the thought of change makes cheaty sweat, makes his stomach hurt, uh hates making decisions, hyper fixated. Um, we see him rocking back and forth. I'll share some some clips in the um show notes, so we see a little stimming when he's nervous. Uh, lots of info dumping, info dumps for a living. That is what I have to say about cheaty, and I think you started this conversation off well with something like uh he's kind of the perfect. Autistic character. The other characters oh, yeah. we're going to meet, I am going to argue that all of these, uh, the entire show and Michael Schur is really, it is an autistic culture show. Yes. So there's no other character that I think quite is quite as clear, but I think the whole show is set in autistica, really. Yeah, and yeah. And so we've got different aspects of autistic culture shining through. So let's talk about... Um, our friend Eleanor Shellstrup, we've talked about her a little. Uh, my thought is there's a lot of Audi HD in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
0: Eleanor is one of the most loyal people. She can see through bullshit faster than anyone else. Like she just spots it a mile away. Again, survival skill. Um, I've seen people talk about that she could. it could just be a trauma response, how her personality was shaped um, but there is one line. I think you are a, um, Maya Rudolph fan. Maya oh, Rudolph yes, of in one of the scenes plays a judge and she is trying oh, yes. to tell, yes. she's trying to tell Eleanor what her problem is with her. And it is something autistics are familiar with. Here's what Maya Rudolph says.
1: Your tone. It's your tone.
0: Ever get yeah. that one?
1: Yeah, yeah, all the time. Because again, it doesn't matter how much helpful data I'm trying to process if they don't like my tone. Because again, I have to be happy and joyful and say, "Oh, yes, you're wrong," but I can help. You know, it's, you're, yeah. it's if you have the wrong tone, that automatically you're blocked out.
0: It feels like that's uh maybe. That's what's actually bothering because they'll add like very often, an holistic will ask a question. And then you will answer the question thinking what matters here is my accuracy in answering. Yeah. Because this seems like an important question to you. But really the question wasn't the question and the assignment was somehow, can you create noise that pleases me? That is unrelated. So I had a thing happen at work this week So at a client, he is deciding between having me edit his book and somebody else, and that somebody else, her name happens to be Uma, and he said, can you explain the difference between your editing and Uma's editing? Which I thought meant, can you explain the difference between your editing and Uma's editing? And so my answer was- Being
1: the the literal question that the man asked, but go on.
0: That wasn't, I'm going to tell you, I figured out the question like a week later. I have to. know, it's only been two days. But seriously, it took me forever to figure this out. So, okay, so I answered, I don't know Uma. I've never met Uma, and I don't know how Uma edits. Every editor is a unique person who has their own approach. But if you would like to ask Uma how she edits, what I can do here is explain to you how I edit.
1: That's a reasonable. And then
0: I explain my whole, like, this is 30 years of experience. I'm explaining, like, everything I know about editing. It is approximately, you know, 5,000 words of, like, what is your philosophy on editing? What is your approach to editing? And now I'm thinking, what he's going to do is get a similar answer from Uma. He will then make a spreadsheet. There will be multiple columns. He must have something he wants. Right. So I'm like, oh, you could make a spreadsheet you could rate and score and then you could decide no this was not the question my friend
1: this baffles me yeah clarify for me because yeah
0: this is how i figured it out so a friend who knows me and uma said well he's still deciding but he really felt you were too businessy in your reply i think businessy in this case means literal Because I wasn't really businessy. I gave like a whole philosophy of editing. So I'm like, why is he calling it businessy? And then I figured it out. He wanted me to just talk about him and his writing. He didn't want to hear anything about Uma. He didn't want to hear anything about me. He didn't want to hear anything about editing. This is what he wanted. I read your stuff and it is so amazing and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to work with you because you're such a good writer and the writing made me feel, however writing makes people feel, I don't know, uh, amazing when I read it and I really think your book is going to change the world. It wasn't a question about editing or Uma. It was just, I'm going to say words And then you say words back and then I'll see how I feel in my body about the words you said. Do they just know this?
1: It would be so much easier if he just used the phrase, I would like you to tell me good things while you tickle my butthole, you know?
0: Right. Well, he tried that. So his previous question, which is what helped me connect it, which is what do you think of my writing? And I was just like, yeah, your writing's good. I think there's a lot we can do to make it better. Which
1: is the wrong answer. I do I didn't, I didn't that, know. Well, that's that's the purpose of an editor to edit, to change, right. to clarify, to briefen, in, in briefen. I'm gonna Thank make you. that a word. It's a it's a word now. In
0: briefing. In briefing. Briefin', I yes. am briefing a pie many things.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I just I don't so understand.
0: It's your tone. It's your tone, Angela. Oh my God, that Senate. I'm so sorry, Eleanor. It's your tone. Look, I am giving you important information about how we can save humanity. Can we not yeah. focus on yes. my phone?
1: Yeah, it's it's the fate of the entire human race forever in right. that scene. Yeah. Right. It's the judge of the universe.
0: So this is Eleanor missing social cues, much as I frequently miss social cues. I guess that's what it means. We, we we struggle with perspective taking how, how, how can you that's, flip that what, what this perspective taking thing what do you tell your I, yeah yeah that's that's the, that? that's
1: the, that's the whole thing about you know uh so again we we uh, call that the the theory of mind and the double empathy problem and the 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 perspective taking we often there's often a lot of times when we would project ourselves into a situation. And again, this can cause problems in relationships because- Like I just say, did
0: here. We're supposed to be yeah. talking about the good place and I got to talk about my problems with clients.
1: But, but, uh, so let's say that you're with somebody who- uh, may not under uh, may not uh, like, you know, getting off the couch. And you say, ah, I also have executive dysfunction, I can totally understand, because you're going through all the variables, and you're paralyzed, and you can't move because you do this. And they say, No, I just want tacos. I'm like, well, I, I will stay here with you and help you with all of this executive functioning because you're clearly a good person uh, just like me and you want to do good things just like me and you will do good things and then that that is not the goal of this person and they do not want to do that thing. They have zero desire to do that thing. But again, because you're using your own data and trying to fill in the blanks with that other, it, it's like pulling a Jurassic Park with frog DNA and all of a sudden your dinosaurs start mutating because you put in the wrong <laughs> DNA. And right. that's... that's can be a problem that we do have with other people in relationships, because it's not that we struggle so much with the perspective taking. It's just that we we automatically, because again, they, they believe that we are completely unable to do it. It's just that we we tend to use our own brains as models because we think that everyone is a bottom-up processor. Right. And that comes into an issue because there's a lot of people who are top-down processors who who do not do things that way. And that right. can be a major hurdle in cross-neurotype interactions.
0: So the way that got portrayed for me was she's very businessy.
1: Yeah. I wasn't you're-
0: empathetic, but I wasn't called upon to be empathetic. I got yeah. asked a question that required data to answer. How is your editing different than Uma's? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I need to interview Uma. Let's figure this out. We could create a spreadsheet together.
1: Because you are data seeking. You are looking for the answer to this question.
0: Right. And it's no perspective taking. Damn, that gets yeah. me in trouble all the time. That's
1: that's the top down. Pro- and, and so, again, I think that the top down versus bottom up processing is the key to the, this uh, perception that, uh, you know, the, the the theory of mind differences and the empathy differences and all this other stuff, because we are doing the cheaty way of looking at so many variables and looking at so much data instead of just doing the, uh uh Yes, I like you. Right. Great job, Chief. That's what I
0: supposed to say. We are thrilled to announce the launch of the Autistic Culture Podcast, T Public Store. Woohoo! You can now get t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and more featuring original designs related to autism and our show.
1: Whether you want to showcase your autistic pride, spark conversations, or just share your love of the podcast, we've got some cool merch options for you.
0: And guess what? Our paid subscribers on Substack get a special 10% off code for the store. If you subscribe to our newsletter at autisticculture.substack.com, you will get exclusive subscriber content plus a 10% discount code you could use at our T Public
1: merch store. Every purchase helps support our show. So if you want to proudly display your autism ally status and values, browse the store today and be sure to tag us on social media showing off your gear.
0: We just want to say thanks to all of our listeners and our paid subscribers, especially for making this podcast possible. All of the money from our tea Public store goes to pay our amazing staff, and we could not do this without your support. We hope you love the merchandise. I love it. Matt?
1: I, I'm very excited about it. I can't wait for my mugs and magnets and stickers and uh, various pillows to show up because there's a certain source of pride that comes from having your quote on a pillow. So... I'm excited.
0: Find us at Tee Public or look for the link in the show notes. So uh, this happens over and over again to Kristen, which is probably why she was supposed to go to the bad place um, because she's, again, could be a trauma response here, um, but she is trying to survive when she is alive as a human on Earth. She is trying to survive. And that often causes, you know, putting your immediate safety yeah. in the driver's seat. Um, yeah, because
1: so. you need food, you need snacks, you need to escape, you need great things. Otherwise, you won't live to see tomorrow.
0: Right uh I will say Eleanor is also bisexual also like me thanks Eleanor um and there is great representative representation of queer characters on this show uh there's some I think I'm gonna put it in the show notes if I can refine it there's a great compilation of all of Eleanor's bisexual moments <laughs> which are fantastic. Sure.
1: She, she is a very horny person.
0: Yes, yes, we'll leave it at that. Okay, yeah. we are now going to talk about, because I'm saving Jamila till the end, there's so much to talk about, but we oh, yeah. are now going to talk about Jason, uh, which I'm voting inattentive ADHD on our little neurodiversity show. Um,
1: <laughs> Jason's
0: a bit of a himbo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: he is
0: a small time criminal with a fascination for Molotov cocktails that comes in handy when they do visit the bad place. Um and,
1: and, and do you know how he died so that he got to the bad place? Oh he no. he he was stuck in a safe which was produced by Ron Swanson's Safe Company. No. Yeah. There's an
0: Easter egg in there?
1: There is an Easter egg. And uh, it was officially confirmed because uh, uh, Ron, uh, oh, Nick Offerman uh, did a voiceover, I believe, on a podcast to advertise Ron Swanson's safe company. Do not crawl inside them. So, yeah, oh. it's. It Which is-
0: I completely left this out when I talked about Michael Schur. Michael Schur, SNL writer who then goes to The Office, who then goes to Parks and Rec. And so check out our Parks and Rec episode. That's why we're talking about Ron Swanson. And there's a little crossover magic here. Uh, there is a we-
1: lot of crossover They're, They have the similar magazines. There's there's details throughout the show that said explicitly in the same universe as Parks and Rec, which means that there's a lot of question about the Parks and Rec crew where they would end up. And again, due to the algorithm, everyone ends up in the bad place. But again, hopefully they make it sooner than later.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, which, so I want to talk. Oh, well, first of all, monotropic focus is something we often, so there's, I think I've heard like maybe, I don't know, 40 or 60% of ADHD symptoms crossover with autism well, let's, symptoms.
1: Oh, so back in May, they discovered that ADHD brains are hyper-connected just like ours. So yeah. that's why there's such a large overlap. And now, again, for the longest time, they theorized that the, for the longest time, they knew that our brains were immune to the mTors, which caused the hyperconnection brains. Which again, they tried to cure us by pruning our brains, which resulted in a lot of brain cancer. That's a whole other thing. But uh, they uh, th- they made autistic rats. The autistic rats are the greatest thing ever. But anyway, uh, they they just they they thought that ADHD was due to a lack of dopamine, and they just needed more concentration. And so they put people on stimulants so that, you know, you wouldn't be chasing that dopamine high all the time. Yeah. But, but it turns uh, out there's a I, lot more overlap than anyone thought.
0: I was going to say, I had a great conversation with Oswin Osman Latimer. Have you ever oh, met yes. Oswin? Oh,
1: yes. Oh, yeah.
0: So they sort of walked me through kind of a completely different landscape, kind of throwing out all of the separate diagnoses um, and finding kind of a root neurodivergence um Ooh. so yeah it's some pretty interesting work they're doing definitely check out oswin's work but um monotropism for sure is something that is shared and um and jason mendoza why can't i uh, yeah okay Jason is his character Uh, Manny Jacinto is the actor yes yes
1: Uh, yeah Uh, he's coming up on the new Star Wars cities new Star Wars series Acolyte which again I really really hope that there's a lot of crossover traits between them because I really want to see if sis throw a Molotov cocktail but yes go on
0: yeah I can see that so I know that like when people think of me they will often think of books or I have a huge crystal museum so if they'll see a crystal they'll send me a crystal they'll send me a picture like just saw this huge crystal Um, or like we have multiple six foot crystals we're shipping to England it's a whole thing
1: and so like
0: when I see a Jacksonville Jaguar shirt. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Immediately. I think yeah. of my friend Jason. I'm like, Oh, my yeah. friend Jason. Oh, not a real person. Also. Yeah. I don't watch the sports ball. I don't even know what a Jacksonville Jaguar is or Blake Bortles. Yes, but yes. it is Oh, so yes. So his monotropic focus, it is such a special interest that because I love Jason, it somehow became my special interest and it's now my special interest.
1: It's an echo spin. You you respect someone so much that you adopt their special interest.
0: I'm like, oh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like them. And then I'm like, oh wait, no, I don't like sports ball. What happened? Yeah. I got confused.
1: Get your friends, family, and fictional character merchandise in our T public store.
0: Oh <laughs> um, okay, so we're going to talk about Janet in a second, but Janet and Jason have like a love affair. But Jason Janet has, being the AI, yes, Janet being the AI who works in the good place. Oh yes, um, but uh, and her program did not permit per, prohibit her from having yeah. a relationship with with Jason, um, but he has to wait one thousand Jeremy Beremies for Janet to come back.
1: I like, love the Jeremy Barryme.
0: That is the best measure of time ever. Yes. Um what is it with our rhymy shmimey phrases like this because a Jeremy Barryme would be a unit of measure in autistic. Uh,
1: yeah, in yeah, cuz it's just uh, the windy loopy uh, the the dot on the i and you know oh oh what's the line about uh, everyone's seeing the the multi Ugh, man I I, I there's so many great quotes on there that I oh, can't I know. Rem- Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah a whole Jeremy thing
0: GD goes through that, he doesn't like the way the eye is dotted in the yeah, Jeremy. Yeah. Baramy. Yeah. 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 Anyway, he has to wait thousands of Jeremy Barame's, see the whole show for details on what that is. He is waiting for Janet to come back and oh. he is finally meditating. Oh, do you have my Jeremy Barame quote?
1: Oh, uh, the, the time knife. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, let's
0: hear. We'll is, edit this out. Yes, Matt is searching away. But I will tell you that uh, when Jason came into the good oh, place, oh, yeah. he was pretending to be a monk and he meditates through his Jeremy Baramies. So he evolves. Tell us, Matt.
1: So, so when Chidi, you know, goes into the eye of the Jeremy Barami, he says, "I just saw a trillion different realities folding into each other like thin sheets of metal forming a single blade." And Michael says, "Yeah, yeah, the time knife. We've all seen the time knife, and just because it's just, it's, it's just the way things are, and it's, you know, the the infinite complexities of the universe all folded in upon each other, and just yeah, yeah, you, you get used to it, as one yes. does, and yeah,
0: as you do. We've all seen the time knife." Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Janet finds him meditating, uh, and it all comes full circle. Um, the Janet story, uh, has its own, I would say Janet is really representing a neuroqueer. Oh yes. Very
1: much so. Yeah. Uh, Especially with, oh, go on. No, you go. Oh, especially with the different reboots and the evolution and the the coming to terms with who Janet is and what Janet's uh, beyond the basic Janet programming because when all the other Janets come online, they're just very, very plain. But Janet eventually decides what Janet is and what Janet wants and how to, you know, Live and uh, being able to be more autonomous and have all the and, and Janet creates Janet's own uh, AI creation. Oh, oh God, what's his name? The the one with the uh, the bells for testicles.
0: Oh God, oh God, I really know his name. Matt. It starts with an M. Matt, uh, Janet's boyfriend. Uh, she creates a boyfriend because she breaks up with somebody. Um, uh, I can't remember.
1: Derek, Jason Manzoukas.
0: Yes, he is the perfect man. And I will make you a man. I'm sorry, I had a little Rocky horror moment there that just escaped. Um, Yes, she makes a man.
1: Yeah, as, yeah 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 and as and, and again way. Derek when Derek keeps because Derek uh was uh, given to Mindy in the middle place the the one inhabitant mm-hmm. in of the middle place Mindy kept rebooting and rebooting and rebooting and every time he reboots he he advances until the point where he's like wearing a tuxedo and very because again uh the uh, Jason Manzoukas uh everything he's been on, he's, he is wild. So it's, it, it, yeah, it's so But But anyway, Derek evolves, Janet evolves. Well, and that's the thing about being bad
0: Janet thing. She oh, yes. explores bad Janet. We all explore bad Janet.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just fascinating to see the character evolution and figure out who people are or what a Janet is and how you come to terms with an identity, especially since everybody keeps misgendering Janet as a she explicitly stating, not a girl, not a she, not a girl, not a lady, not a girl.
0: Yeah. Um, so she, it's also a great study of masking, right? Cause she is programmed oh, yeah. like many neurotypicals try and program us sometimes yeah. with tasers. Um, yeah. but she is programmed to be polite and her program tells her how to act exactly. But she is also at her core, her very nature is to be helpful, like
1: superhuman
0: levels of helpful. Like she is the world's most helpful uh, character. She is designed to be helpful and she is helpful, but then there's this mask of being polite and her program makes her say yes to things that she doesn't necessarily want to. Um, And by the end, Janet really um, finds her own no, not just the no the program gave her, but who, what her real, what her real true yes and what her real no is.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So played by Darcy Carden, who is gorgeous and amazing. And yes, anyway, speaking of masking,
1: oh,
0: uh, yes. Al oh, Jamil played by Jamila Jamil. Yes. She uh, comes, grows up in a wealthy British philanthropist family. She is a fashion model. Her sister has it more together than her, so she is very competitive with her sister. And it seems like Tah- Tahani's entire life is basically masking to please her holistic parents.
1: Yeah, because they have very, very high standards of what they find to be even barely acceptable. And she she spends her entire life on Earth trying to please them and trying to win the favor of her sister and trying to outdo them so that they will finally accept her.
0: Right. Doesn't work. She dies. Yeah. Um, and she and like dies like making a huge donation or something.
1: Yeah. She was doing yeah.
0: something, an award, something. Anyway, however, what I want to say about this is there is almost no like classic diagnosis where you would look at Tahani's pick character on the surface as you might meet her quickly and think, oh, she's autistic. So she is kind of the classic high masking. She's very polite. She's well-spoken. She doesn't have an autistic accent. She doesn't have obvious special interests. She's not weird. She doesn't seem autistic. Um, And I think there's a lot of women who get that feedback who have learned how to behave, um, been trained, and she is absolutely exhausted and in life was living on the knife's edge of burnout. Yeah. Um,
1: Trying desperately to fit in and be everything that the world wanted.
0: Yes. So, That is a really interesting character study. But now we're going to cross over into the amazing Jamila Jamil, um, who very recently started talking about her uh, Ehlers-Daniels syndrome diagnosis. So she has Ehlers-Daniels, POTS, dyspraxia, has been uh, frequently commented on that she stares weirdly at people. Uh, She was diagnosed with uh, HEDS, which is like the Uh, hypermobile EDS, at nine. Um, Uh, Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't do drugs uh, because of her many medical issues. She has mast cell. She has dislocated many things. She says she carries an EpiPen everywhere because she will randomly become allergic to her safe foods. So she'll be like, I have favorite foods and then one day I'll eat them and I have a deadly allergy attack. So I always carry my EpiPen and she frequently faints. She has not said anything about being autistic or not, but I have thoughts.
1: So much overlap there, because uh, uh, a show of hands in the podcast world, how many of you have similar immune and autoimmune uh, stuff like ADS, POTS, PANDAS, Mast Cell, uh, Hashimoto's, uh, uh, let's see here, uh, psoriasis, PCOS, eczema, PCOS, uh, PMDD? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of these things <laughs> are more likely to happen to people who are autistic, especially autistic women and AFAB people. mm mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So uh, Jamila does amazing advocacy work. She is an incredible ally. She is very aware of autism and perhaps she has had a light bulb go off privately. What I will say is she beautifully uh, represents our culture and shares the stories of people with EDS that need to get out there. Most people don't understand hypermobility and the effect that EDS has on people's lifespans, and she's she's doing great work
1: there. So awesome! And, and again, right. she she's uh, glamorous. Uh, she she puts on the mask well, just like her character, and yeah. that 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 could be a thing uh, that impedes her from coming. Because we've talked frequently about how uh, you know it can be very very difficult to come out as autistic, especially like again, I I didn't come out for like a uh, I didn't come out until I was in my late thirties because, I, I worked in the field and I was criticized. If it, Check out our episode on community for more on that. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I was heavily criticized when I did come out. So I stayed in the closet until I was able to do my own thing. And there's a lot of people in the world who need to wear that mask for safety, for security. So she might custody know that she's autistic.
0: Reasons. Exactly. There could be custody reasons. There could be job. There is definitely discrimination in the theater world. You say yeah. you have EDS or mass cell and I, you know, it's a very different response than like, are we going to hire the autistic actor? Yeah.
1: Um, and and so even yeah. if, even then, you know, uh, like when Jerry Seinfeld came out and promptly jumped back into the closet, there are a lot of people who will scream, you're nothing like my autistic son, because again, not being the same demographics as an autistic son and that all autistic people are different because human beings are different because, all mm-hmm. logic you know it's it's one of those things the world can be very very aggressively critis- critical of people so she may know that she's autistic but again it's difficult for her to come out and say it explicitly and I don't hold that against her because uh, no. again there there's enough evidence for me advocacy. to yeah yeah there's mm-hmm. enough evidence for me to consider if not one of us then at least a very very close ally so yes.
0: Yes. As always, this podcast is free and it will remain free, but we do now have a paid subscription over on our Substack page, which we wanted to tell you about. It includes lots of extras, like private Q&A calls with Matt and I, our book club with our favorite book picks, and discounts in our tea Public store. You can check out all the goodies over on our Substack page at autisticculture.substack.com. So uh, I want to just sort of wrap this up with a little chat about Michael. Uh, Uh, So Michael, again, is the architect of The Good Place. He is very particular about his creation. Oh, yes. Um, All the details. Yes. And we find him writing on his board, uh, uh, people, people equal good. People <laughs> yep, yep. equal good. He needs, he needs a little help, and talks about how people often get the wrong first impression of him. Yep. Um, and so he's talking to Chidi, and they. He's very frustrated he doesn't necessarily want to hear all of the details of chidi's info dump he's a little impatient and he says this to chidi
1: why don't you just tell me the right answer this is why everyone hates moral philosophy professors maybe there's a more concrete approach i made the trolley problem real so we could see how the ethics would actually play out which again great great episode to chidi's repeated horror
0: If you only watch one episode, watch the Trolley Problem episode. Uh, Michael is very literal. He is very uh, in your face. Um, And yes.
1: He loves studying humans. And that's what got him in this role in The Good Place, because he finds humans fascinating. He loves people watching. He has a bit of the Pinocchio syndrome we talked about in, you know, the the, uh, community episode. But that's the thing. He wants to understand and he wants to learn about this because he is decidedly not human by the by origin so it's it's fascinating for him to see how uh we operate with our meat bodies and to study how we would react in these ethical situations and to see how people can be good
0: yes Yes, well, that is a good place to wrap it. Look, this show has covered everything uh, from moral particulars, Aristilian, Ar- Aristotle, Aristotle and his virtue ethics, a lot of Kant Kantian uh, moral nihilism. You will John Locke uh, is covered at great detail. At the heart of this show is a book called What We Owe to Each Other. That's what sort of kicked off uh, Schur's idea for the show and it's sort of the spine of the show. So if you want to dive deep, grab that or... Uh, Michael Scher's own book, How to Be Perfect. That book, What We Owe to Each Other, shows up multiple times in the show. So if you're looking for a an Easter egg, it is a literal prop. Eleanor rips out a page and writes a uh, note to herself.
1: Uh, I do love my props. Uh, they,
0: they are, uh, the show, anyway, There is a trope where they keep forgetting things. And Eleanor says, find Chidi uh, in the note. And that is one of the keys to a season finale. Uh, That was beautiful. Ted Danson and Cheedy mention the book while comforting a memory wiped Eleanor at a bar uh, in homage to Cheers, the Cheers bar. Um, and Cheedy uh, uses it in a lecture that Eleanor watches on YouTube. Uh, so look for that book. What we owe to each other. I think it is a it's a, it's a little bit of an autistica uh, book in that we really do want to be good. I talk about this all the time, but it is one of the big differences between narcissists and what is so special and treasured about autistic culture. Um, We think a lot about what we owe to each other. All autistic people are different. We reach different conclusions. Um, But that is not a question narcissists are asking. So,
1: Yes, um, yes.
0: Anyway, uh, I love the show. I hope you love it, too. Matt, you're ready for a rewatch of Good Place. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I have begun my rewatch of Community based on our last episode. So we're just trying to bring you guys some good TV over here. We would love to see your reviews. Matt, let's leave people with some good news from you. What did you love about being autistic this week?
1: So, we, we, are, so uh, we are building an autistic-led autism center in Louisville. Everybody at this autism center will be autistic. Uh, we are getting such input from SLPs, uh, OTs, PTs, therapists. We've got a psychiatrist. We've got a medical doctor. Our medical doctor has access to a, 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 an IRB, an institutional review board, so that we are going to make autistic-centered therapy evidence-based because we will collect evidence and show its efficacy, and uh, we have recently started building a school there and doing research on how to build a micro school. I've been closely involved with doing the research of the education parameters and how to make education more autistic-friendly and how to not only incorporate math, science, social studies, and all this other stuff, but also do it in a way that works for autistic ADHD, AUDHD, and PDA brains to maximize learning potential. And the more research we do, the more research there is to do. And I'm, I'm delighted by the people that we have working on this, because I think it's going to be a fantastic, fantastic thing that I genuinely believe will change everything. I believe that this will be a model that may replace Montessori. But again, I'm biased on that. Let's hope so, because they're a
0: little crazy.
1: Yeah, well we'll cover that in the Maria Montessori episode. But that's uh yeah, uh but that's the thing. It's uh, it's this deep dive into not only how we will work with the children that are entrusted to us, but make a brand new method to help everyone everywhere. And it's it's a legacy thing. And I really, really do believe that this is going to be a game changer. And I cannot wait to see how it plays out. And I I, my full support for uh, we've got an autistic ADHD, an AUDHD special ed teacher with a decade of experience, pulling all this stuff together. And I am just incredibly in awe of all of this process and it's going to be so great. And I, I, I I love what is coming and I could, I could not be more excited.
0: Yay. Uh, Well, I'm going to get to see it soon. I am excited to uh, drive by the firehouse that will soon become Acadia um, oh, yeah. We're going to keep you guys posted on all of that and how you can donate and get involved uh, and make a difference. And uh, I will tell you, we have a lot of love for the people of Kentucky. So if you are one of them, make sure you comment and we will make sure you get the news first. So. Thanks for being here this week. We've got another great show next week. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Please share if you like this episode um, because it really helps people find the show. So bye, everyone.
1: Thanks, Matt. Have a good one. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast.
1: If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.
0: You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com.
1: Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowerylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt. Lowry, L O W R Y L P P, as in Licensed Psychological
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember,
1: no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else.
0: Special thanks to our content manager, River Robbins, and Aaron Stoner, our producer, for making us look and sound good. <music>